Hello and welcome to the latest episode of the Truck and Driver podcast. I'm Dougie Rankin and I'm joined today by a special guest, Bob Beach, who is a contributor not only to Truck and Driver magazine but to Commercial Motor as well and has, I believe, 44 years driving experience. 43. 43. Plus truck sales experience, uh, plus a lot more besides. Bob, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Dougie. Good to see you again. Well, the idea of this podcast is we're focusing primarily around Iveco because I've just spent a week on the road in the new Iveco S-Way and I've just handed the keys over to Bob, who's going to be spending the forthcoming week driving it. Um, I'm writing about it in the Christmas issue of Truck and Driver. Bob's writing about it in Commercial Motor and there's also a supplement coming out on it as well. Obviously, Iveco... Their history, their reputation in the UK has been pretty low of late, you might say. Over the years, you've driven a lot of their trucks. Yeah, quite a few, Dougie. I suppose I I can remember back in the late 70s having a go in a Fiat, which was the forerunner of, obviously, Iveco. And um, I've driven a few, a couple of Turbostars on odd occasions, and a little brief, uh, uh, a day or two with a Eurostar, then quite a lot of the Stralis models that have been kind of in service over the last, what, nearly 20 years, I suppose, isn't it? Yeah, the Stralis came out in 2002. I guess, now, at, at the time, the Stralis was quite an advanced truck. It was the first one to come with the automatic transmission specified as standard. Do you remember those early versions of the Stralis? Yeah, I mean, to, to be honest, they offered, uh, first of all, they offered a semi-auto version based on the ZFAS Tronic gearbox in the Eurostar, and then they went to a fully automatic two-pedal version that you still change some of the gears manually by clicking the lever back and forth. But with the Stralis, they sort of they they were the first to go to a fully automatic setup, and I think they probably didn't get the credit they should for the for that innovation because they paved the way for a lot of the other manufacturers to follow. They took a little bit of kind of criticism and stick over it, but. The engine has always, their engines have always been well matched with the ZF transmissions, and as a result, they've worked well together, or worked better now than they did. But again, someone, whenever, whenever you're the first to do something like that, you've always got to take a little bit of the kind of the early painful experiences of getting it right. Yeah, I mean, I had Astralis in 2017. Uh, I inherited a 2005 model with a Cursor 13 engine which was a 480 with a 16-speed ZF, and it was very much an unloved truck. It had been an owner-driver's all his days who'd never seemed to have polished it, and then it had been thrashed around a fleet and everybody had driven it. And it was a right mess, and I thought, when I first saw it, I, was, I had really low expectations of it. I was like, I can't believe I've got this truck. But then I actually drove it, and I was so pleasantly surprised. I mean, there were bits missing out the interior here and there. I actually had to do a bit of work nicking bits out of our trucks, to go and replace the bits of trim that had been broken off and were missing. DIY. But w- once I'd got past that, I'd realised that I was like, bloody hell, this truck's actually good to drive. I spent a lot of time polishing it. I gutted the interior, cleaned it out, and then all of a sudden, the guys that were out at the weekend, someday would take it down the road and go, here, this thing's bloody great to drive. And then they all wanted... It was, it was weird. Once they got over the fact, oh, I'm not driving that. It's interesting because the perception of the Stralis has been kind of mixed over the years but some of the people who've got the most to say about it have never really driven one and that is so true in life that people they pick up on rumors speculation and just pure guesswork rather than going and finding out for themselves with any truck with any modern truck they're they're probably a little bit too easy just to jump in and point 
to drive them and to get the best out of them, you need to kind of sit down and read the handbook and maybe be being told how to use it. And that that's something the industry hasn't been very good at in the past. Also, with the with with the Ivecos, with the Stralis, again, it was one of the first fully electronic trucks, and they had quite a lot of small problems, endless faults, connector problems, wiring shaking in the loom. But I remember what on the early one on the six by two tractor units, they had a small catwalk, and behind the catwalk was a black sort of box which had one of the main ECU controllers in it. And what used to happen, people would be coupling up trailers in a pair of steel toe cap boots in the dark, and they'd inadvertently kick the mod the main control unit, which is probably something the designers never thought about as say, an 18 stone bloke kicking hell out of it night after night after night. Just moving and protecting something like that made such a difference. And they also, on some of them, you could have the option on later models of an electric um, cutout box on the back of the cab where if it popped a fuse or a circuit breaker, it would have a self-protection system where you had to reset the button on it. And that cured a lot of the problems that they used to get as well when you were, when you were changing trailers regularly. You'd have trailers with a duff light or maybe an interior light on a box trailer or something, and that would cause electrical faults. The system was almost like a lot of the early fully electronic trucks, probably a little bit too clever for its own good. It kept picking up faults that weren't really faults, but they then became faults on the dash, which which was a light and you know warning light and other stuff like that. And if it wasn't attended to and the problem wasn't sorted out, it would just end end up the system would just get clogged up with faults, and the thing would look like a Christmas tree when you turned the ignition on. Yeah, I, I think I found with the one. Um the one that I'd driven had been about for that long that all those kind of things had been um, solved on it. Yeah, yeah. You know, it, it evolved and it, it evolved over over the years and it had all, all the various bits and pieces sorted out on it. But what impressed me of it was it was a 480, so it was a Cursor 13 litre. Yeah. And with a 16 speed ZF, which was a rare automatic gearbox, it had, a lot of, it had that many close steps between the ratios that it, it was never... Yeah. out of puff and it would actually it would surprise people on hills yes. like some people really didn't like getting overtaken by a 55 plate Iveco Stralis <laughs> when the Cursor engine range first came out it was in uh, the mid 90s and there were three main variants Cursor 8 which was 7.8 litre which was okay for lighter work they put them in 8 wheelers they were a little bit kind of underpowered but they, they did the job then there was Cursor 10 which became the 11 litre and that was the mainstream engine. It performed very well. It was, if I remember rightly, uh, 420, and uh, I think we eventually went to the Cursor 10. Was it 440, something like that? Radius, whatever. That was the uh, 13 litres. But the 13 litre took over from there. But they made it like for years. They wouldn't offer anything except the 8 litre or the 13 litre in an eight-wheel tipper. Was the natural engine for that was the 10 or now the stroke the 11 litre. Yeah, that would make sense. But they, they didn't do so and, and it kind of, for some, I don't know, internal politics or whatever, they were missing out on the ideal engine for that truck. And, and like any of these vehicles, no matter what make they are, they'll only really give their best if they're properly specified from new. And if they're not properly specified from new, they might get older, but they don't get any better. And, and then that adds to the kind of how can you describe it? The reputation of being mm. not up to the job or whatever. Yeah, well, I mean, I know a lot of the, the problem a lot of fleet trucks as well is that you get guys who get handed 
a Scania or a Volvo and it's one driver, one truck and the guy cares for it and looks after it and polishes it and isn't hard on it but you get fleet trucks where guys jump into them and they don't like them and they slam the doors, they bang the switches and the truck ends up being, it, it becomes rough and tired and old quickly and then that reputation for the truck kind of spreads out. I can see it happening with trucks now where people just dislike them so much that they're hard on them and it wears them out quickly and I think that happened with Astralis to a certain extent where people were like oh I don't like this and they would just start being overly rough with it yeah I went out to do a commercial motor feature a couple of years ago a head to head feature with a then new Astralis 500 and the guy had a, an early version 1 2002-2003 480 and the difference between them was quite remarkable, but the driveline on the old one, which had done about 1.3, 1.4 million, was as good as ever. And Iveco have always, in their previous companies of Fiat and what have you, had the ability to make a, a durable uh, driveline, durable engines that perform well. And all of the Cursor engines, when they're running properly, they outperform and most other engines of that of that cubic capacity even the little eight litre which is now a nine litre it would do the job in an eight wheeler and it would do it quite enthusiastically but once again people they had negative perceptions about them before they even got in the cab mm-hmm. which yeah, well, is such a difficult thing to overcome it was well if you recall as well i had a um a gas truck yeah. uh, back in 2018 i had an lng uh, stralis 400 yeah which was the Cursor 9 engine, which yeah. is like a little baby engine for a 4 by 2 tractor unit, but it was on a Kingspan contract, so you would get you could get away with it if you were only grossing yeah. 25 tonnes all the time. But if you look at the power output, 400 horsepower from a 9-litre engine is pretty impressive. Yeah, yeah. And they've continued to do that. Like, their 11-litre engine now tops out at 480 horsepower, 2,300 newton metres of torque, which is the same as a lot of competitors' offerings on the 13-litre class. Yeah. Yeah. So... It's, it's also, it's interesting as well, if you look at it, the engines themselves are used in a lot of industrial applications via Fiat powertrain. They're used in agricultural equipment, they're used in construction equipment. That 13 litre in the uh, Cursor 13 in the 570, that's a lot of power for a road going truck out of a 13 litre engine. It's by far the highest rated 13 litre. The torque isn't that high. It's about average at 2005. Yeah. But that engine that is used in a New Holland tractor and also in a case tractor and a forage harvester in twin turbocharger form, they take it out to 660 horsepower and it does it reliably. And there's no more probably arduous application than a forage harvester that's going into a crop of grass or maize and the engine is powering the powering the drum and the rest of the mechanism and it takes an instant load on it and they will survive and do that job as well as as engines of 15 litre or more so once again the core of the thing is right it's a matter of getting the rest of it right and then getting people to believe it's right yeah well i mean the stralis had a big update in 2013 and it won the european truck of the year at that point and the, the, the updates were, were much needed and it did improve the truck a lot. The interior of Australis from that point onwards was much improved. Yeah. I had the 570XP Stralis earlier this year, which is a truck I believe you also had. Yes, that's right. Silver one, that silvery blue one. And that was a truck that really surprised me as to just yeah. how well it handled and how, how much... Because it looked small from the outside and the truck the, the, lo- the overhead lockers were on the small side, but it amazed me how, how much it did with the space that it had in it. 
It was a truck that worked hard with the space that it had. And it became a truck that I really warmed to. I thought, well, this is a bit of an unsung hero, this truck. But yeah. they're quite rare and hard to find the 570s in, in the UK. I think when I had that same truck before you, I came away with the conclusion of saying that thing outperforms, it exceeds your expectations. The Stralis cab had its issues, but, you know, whatever. And I remember, I think I probably said in commercial motor feature, that one of those with a retarder on as well would be a phenomenal truck because you have the ability to go uphill and go downhill at faster than average speeds. And I'm interested to see how it performs because you've just driven it for a week and you said that it really does it really does go well in that respect. Yeah, well, getting, getting round to the main point, yes, it's been a long time coming, but Iveco have finally got a right-hand drive S-Way into the UK and I was honoured to be the first one to be able to put it to work. Uh, so we picked the truck up from Basildon last week and I spent a week driving it for Broughton Transport Solutions, who you often do driving work for. Yes, yes, for my sins. And I have, well, I've spent a week on the road in it. I've done five nights out in it and I'm just passing, just this afternoon, past the keys over to Bob, who's going to be driving it next week. The truck is an S-Way 6x2 twin steer 570 it's got all the toys in it and there's a lot of there's a lot resting on this truck for Iveco in the UK would you agree oh definitely I mean it's no secret that their market share in heavy trucks is a lot lower than it should be and to be perfectly honest even with the existing or the previous range there's no reason why it should it shouldn't be better uh, so of course I mean with the Stralis it was awarded truck of the year 2013 and there were a huge number of improvements to the, the truck on the interior, which sorted a lot of the problems out that the Stralis had traditionally had. Of course, in more recent uh, times, with the launch of Rivals trucks, it has become rather outdated in certain respects. So the S-Way has come along, it's badly needed. You know, they've been waiting for this for a long time. Yeah, we've been through a very busy sort of six or seven years where there's a lot of completely new trucks that come on the market. And every existing product is benchmarked against it and Iveco with the exception of DAF have got the oldest or have until now had the oldest cab it's just inevitable it's gonna it's gonna it's gonna show its age I think with the new S-Way they've looked at a lot of little subtle changes and a lot of basic fundamental things that all add up to being a big improvement I'll have a better idea unlike you next at the end of next week when I've driven it for a week but my, I've driven a couple before and what have you and it the basic kind of function fit and finish and that is better it's not dramatically um, sort of the, the, your first impression is that it's a dramatic change but I think as you found it's lots of little changes that go together to make a big change yeah that's right um well the cab is as soon as you get in the door the door thuds shut better and the dashboard layout when you're sitting in the driver's seat you think oh the dashboard's almost identical to the the stralis it's similar plastic similar layout and while it's simple it's not basic it has got all the functionality all the computer uh systems and setups that you would expect to find in a modern truck it's, it's all been there's a lot of thought gone into it because you can control all your different menus using the steering wheel and it's all built on a really easy grid structure where you can scroll down and then across so you can get into all your fuel consumption figures, you can find out the axle loads, you can get into all your tachograph information. It will tell you 
how many hours you need to take for your next daily rest, how many hours you need to take for your next weekly rest. And it's all presented in a, in a format that's really easy to work and understand. But when obviously when you first look at it, you think, oh, maybe it's a little bit on the basic side. Yes. Yeah, to go, to go back to the Stratus, they improved it with a new dash and the other changes. They lifted it considerably, but it still had some fundamental things that could have been sorted earlier. On the passenger side, on the raised section of the floor, there was always a dip in the floor, and it was where, if you had a manual gearbox, where the where the, where the lever would come through the floor of the cab, and it wasn't strong enough, and it would start to dip out in, in, like, in time. And like small issues like that become big issues if it really, really impacts on people how they on how people perceive the vehicle. Mm-hmm. And I think Iveco probably should have continued to improve with things like that because as better or newer products came on the market it just made the difference between where they were and where they needed to be to be greater and and, and as a result like with the s-way now thankfully all of those it's got a completely new floor plan floor pan it's reinforced it's stronger and it does feel a more rigid structure doesn't it yeah they've done a lot of work in the interior once you see beyond the dash and to be honest being very similar to the stralis is no bad thing because it's, it's it's well laid out but you've now got four cup holders along the bottom of the dash plus a pull-out drawer to store stuff in which is handy you've got the fridge beside you and then you've got a cool box which can be used for storage the bunk is vastly improved Good. from the traditional very hard Stralis mattress which put a lot of drivers off them right away there are usb ports there's one beside you on the driver's side which is also a hook up to the radio there's one on the passenger side and there's two behind the bunk along with a 12 volt socket all your um control functions for the windows and the lights are on the back wall in the center and there's an upper bunk which doubles up as a storage function as well there's been a lot of thought put into the interior and I, from what I can tell, the quality is there. This seems like a solid, much better built vehicle uh, than the Stralis. If you open up the top lockers, they've got gas, gas rams on them and they're well damped. And when, once you settle, in, settle into the truck, it, um, it starts to feel a part of you. When you're out driving it, that's where the biggest improvement of all is. If you take, well, if we'll look at the styling in a moment, but to drive the truck, that's where they've taken the Stralis, which was a good driving truck. The S-Way really does do a good job. It's got very light, precise steering. The retarder makes a hell of a difference to it. The Traxxon gearbox, which came in in the Stralis in 2017, is vastly better than any of the old AS-Tronics versions that people are so familiar with. It's interesting because their chassis engineering has always been good. Uh, with a three-axle uh, Stralis, the ride was a combination of a smooth ride but lack of roll, a slightly lower like a driver's seating position because the cab's a little bit lower, make, made it a, a good truck when you were used to it on a cross-country route. And as you say, the steering on a Stralis, and I'd imagine this S-Way is similar, it actually feels a little bit too light at first acquaintance but when you get used to it it's actually very direct and very good you can run right to the edge of the road with full confidence and also i don't know if you, if you've noticed yourself they're one of the few manufacturers on a, a three axle track unit with anti-roll bars on all three axles yeah we'd spoken about that you would pointed that out to me um when we were having a look around the truck earlier on 
yeah, there's a lot of interesting stuff going on beneath that beneath that cab, and it came. Well, I mean, I gave it a run up into the middle of Wales uh, during the week, and the roads there, and when I ran down Amesbury, these were tight, twisting A roads, and you could get into a really nice rhythm with the truck. I was coming to the end of a 15-hour shift at one point. I was chasing the clock at one point, and the truck would always work with you rather than against you. Yeah. It's, uh, there's no gearbox modes or anything. There's no performance or economy or anything like that. It just does what it does. And you can provoke really different performance from it but just your throttle inputs you can be really gentle with it and it'll respond well to that and you can also if you need to make it go it will go it's a truck that's much happier to rev than yeah. a lot of its rivals and like you say that three anti-robar setup it sits on the road really nicely as well if it's it's not something that you would appreciate like straight away necessarily if you just run it up and down the motorway. It's a truck that I think you've got to spend a few days with to get a real feel for and appreciate appreciation for. Well, it, it's interesting because that standard setup there with steel front suspension is a single leaf spring, as a lot of other manufacturers have gone down that route. And they work quite well up to a point, but the trouble is when you get on a, like a lot of ruts, you'll get too much tramping through the axle. On the front axle and that movement then affects the steering uh, accuracy if you like but i noticed it's got the conventional bump stop but it's got a, a secondary rubber block on a bracket mounted towards the back of the spring it obviously comes in contact with the spring but i think that takes a lot of the shock out of it as well because what happens if the axle's moving too much the shock absorbers are doing too much work as well and then you'll get rebound effect and through the steering of a truck on a road like that, it doesn't matter how much power you've got, your, the thing that will dictate your journey time is how well it handles, because that means how well you can keep cracking on through the bends, like, you know, can you, can you, can you take a, a clear line through a corner? Also, the twin steer setup helps in that, in that respect as well, because as you know, it's a hydraulic, non, there's non-mechanical linkage to the second steer, it's purely hydraulic, which is the same setup that you have on a rear steer rigid. Once again, it's very precise, it's a relatively light, but it gives you great confidence after a little while. This is talking about the Stralis, but I'd imagine that is, yeah, well, that's, that's, is, a, is a stage on again, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, that's it. That's what I built up with the truck. That's exactly it. I built up a lot of confidence in it. Once I got used, fully loaded. I mean, I had no idea that milk was so heavy. I didn't know I was, I didn't even know I was running at 44 tonnes. The first load that I did with it, where it sailed up to Manchester and did a peak MPG, it peaked at 11.2 miles to the gallon just running on the motorway that day. Yeah, yeah. And by the end of the week, I'd managed 9.3, which seems to be slightly above the fleet average for Broughton yeah. Transport Solutions who I was driving for. And I gave it no mercy. I mean, I had to get where I was going. I, had, I was chasing the clock. I was chasing tachograph hours. And yeah, I grew a lot of confidence with it. And... Yeah, the thing for Iveco is it has to it has to win over drivers. It has to get a new perception built up about it. Now, the example I would quote would be the Renault Range T High. Renault, after the Magnum went off the market, the, the premium was not. It was purely a fleet truck. It never had much of a an excited following. The Magnum no, was a cult no, truck. Rather no, than no one's pulse was ever set racing by giving the no. keys to a premium, was it really? No, and then the Range T came out, and the Range T in 2013 was universally derided for its yeah. looks. It was considered an ugly truck. Yeah, yeah. Uh, then the, and we, we didn't get the Range T high for the first couple of years, yeah. but now that's a popular truck with drivers. You'll get yes. guys who are 
be happy to take the keys for them and you, the guys who wouldn't come back out them if they were offered a Volvo or a Scania yeah, yeah. and that's what Iveco needs to aim for with the S-Way and with the styling I'd, I'd say that they've certainly got that right everywhere I went during the week there was positive feedback from it from yard shunters forklift drivers other truck yeah. drivers were looking at it apparently it was the start of the guy that was parked next to me from Jenkinson's I went in for a shower at Chippenham Truck Stop and he came back and said, he said, here, so this thing's the star of the show tonight in here. There's been loads of people taking pictures of it and looking around it when you've been away. And I would hope that they were taking pictures of it, you know, in a complimentary sense and thinking, you know, look at, look at that because it is a good looking truck. And we've seen what has built up an amount of interest in it is the photos that we've been seeing from the continent, from Italy, from Holland, from Germany. These guys have customised them and they look fantastic. So... It's going to be interesting to see if they can get some seed vehicles into hauliers in the UK. Definitely. Nothing attracts people's attention more than A, a good-looking vehicle, a well-presented vehicle, but also ones in familiar fleets where you haven't seen that make a truck before. Because it's a great flag waver, but not only that, those hauliers and those drivers, people who know them or whatever, will ask them what they think of it. And if it's a positive reaction, that is the best marketing you can you can possibly have because it's personal recommendation and, and again i i the the stralis was nearly right in so many ways but the things that weren't quite right on it as i said as time went on they were more glaring weren't they they were more obvious the faults yeah it was it was a truck that i had a lot of affection for but yeah by the time it was getting towards the end of its life everything else had kind of moved on yeah and yeah. you were for you had to forgive it a, a few things it was a, a great thing to drive i mean the 570 horsepower engine it's the most powerful 13 liter engine yeah available um it's not the torqueiest no no because you but two and a half thousand newton meters of torque it's got a big broad spread of torque and it's happy to use it across the whole power band and I'm thinking the, the next engine down from that is the 510, which is yeah. also a 13 litre. And I'm wondering if the British hauliers are going to kind of standardise on... I wonder if it will be the 570 that most of them go for, because it's it, it's got that bit more yeah. about it. I'll be curious I, I, to see how many 480s are out there, because that's a smaller engine. I think the big, the, market. the big fleets will always look at what will give them on paper the best fuel, which will probably point towards the 11 litre. But I think, given the kind of pricing structure and what you get for your money, quite a lot of people who are looking to maybe have a vehicle with a bit more driver appeal will look at a 510 or maybe even a 570. The only, the only issue is, with a 570, if you put a 570 into a fleet of kind of 500 brake horsepower trucks, are you going to set the cat among the pigeons in terms of what drivers want and aspiration and stuff like that? I, I think as well, the other issue that, that it needs to be kind of covered is if you look at the way trucks have changed in the last kind of four or five years, all the manufacturers have looked at de-speeded engines. They've looked at very, very, very high diff ratios, which means that cruising is taking place at 11, sometimes even less than 1100 RPM. Aveco is still on a little bit of a different tack because they're, they're more than a little prepared to let that engine rev a bit to perform, which I think overcomes the on-paper torque deficit compared to some others like a 540 Scania or a 540 Volvo. We're up around two for two yeah, six two thousand. Yeah, well, it doesn't appear to have a fuel penalty for no. that. If if you've been used to driving like a, a truck with a very long diff ratio in it that's wanting to run slowly all the time, 
the Iveco would come as quite a surprise to you because it does want to rev and it does yeah. want to hold gears. Definitely. There were a couple of those big hills in Gloucestershire that I came up and it held 1700 RPM and it charged up the hills yeah. and it held the gear all the way with a load on and it didn't it didn't try and change up it didn't try and like go over the hill yeah to try and just get over it in as low a gear as, well as low revs as possible but it didn't seem to affect it affect it adversely either which is an interesting they're kind of going they're almost going their own route with that but the engine the good thing about it is that the engine is up to the task and they've matched the software of that traction gearbox very well because the opposite the, the the longest geared and most downspeeded truck is the DAF. Yes. Yeah. And which uses the same tracks and gearbox yeah. as the Iveco, as the MAN. Yeah. And they could not be any more different. No. That the trucks were very out of two you couldn't pick two trucks with more different personalities with the DAF where it's very heavy steering yeah. and yeah. it's downspeeded drive line compared yes. to the Iveco. And I think that I think the S way will start to win over drivers. Uh, I think if you put one of them into a fleet, I would imagine you once Kind of, there might be a bit of resistance originally, but initially, but you'll probably get guys going, wait a minute, that thing, it's the same, the same as I got with my old Stralis a few years ago. Yeah, yeah. People driving, wait a minute, this thing's actually all right. The it's, people on Facebook moaning about it that have never driven one are wrong. <laughs> the problem is, again, it's perception, and also people like to kind of pile in if there's a bit of a kind of uh, criticism fest, and they all like to weigh in with their three pennyworth, don't they? But the truth is, I... The, the truck, if you like a vehicle that sort of encourages, how can I describe it, a keen driving style, there's no better there's no better vehicle because it, it, it works with you. A lot of the vehicles with the super economy software, they're, they're okay up to a point, but you get to the situation where the, uh, the, the performance becomes quite turgid, quite plodding, doesn't it? And then if you can't override it, you then end up with a 480 brake horsepower truck that runs like about a 400 brake horsepower truck, which seems a little bit kind of missing the point. And fuel consumption is a vital, vital thing, but getting the job done is equally is equally important. Well, that's it. There's so many sectors of haulage where you just can't be mucking around. I mean, on one of my trips this week, I spoke to a guy about his fleet truck, uh, and he didn't have a good word to say about it. It was limited to 51 miles an hour. Yeah. It was severely monitored. Um, all the driver aids and everything had to be switched on at all times. You couldn't vary from it. And it took all the joy out of driving. Uh, he was looking quite enviously at my big metallic Iveco. Yeah. And people were like, what's that like? And I'm like, honestly, is it, 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 it's a truck that re rewards the driver. And it rewards you for driving enthusiastically without an, an economy penalty. So... Um, 2021 is going to be a big, big year for for Iveco in these trucks as they go into service, and I hope they can back them up. I've had a, an enjoyable, but it's not been an easy week by any means. I've no, had no. four days of grind running into unpleasant RDCs, and I had that one lovely day running up through Wales, up through the hills and sure. the valleys. So it's not been an easy week at all. But I feel honestly, I wouldn't. I've driven quite a few different trucks this year. And that's I can honestly say that that one I've enjoyed I've enjoyed as much as anything. Iveco have um, potentially got a winner on their hands there, and I hope you're going to enjoy driving it as well next week. So I can find it where you think. 
Yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to it as well. Not just for the kind of changes, but just to reaffirm what I already thought a year or two ago with the 570 Stralis. And I think putting enjoyment back into driving is no bad thing at all, because one of the issues people have nowadays is concentration and application. Because a lot of these modern trucks, you just sit in them and guide them, and, and they are a bit un, uninvolving, which is all right up to a point if all you want to do is sit on the motor instead of the truck in front. But if you want to drive that truck, like as you say, in West Wales or Mid Wales, you know, down the West Country, around the around Scotland or whatever, you want a vehicle you can be involved in because otherwise, if it's an uninvolving vehicle, your concentration wanders, and that's when people end up in the ditch, don't they? Mm-hmm. Yep, I, it's uh, yeah. I would say to anybody who's listening to the podcast, you know, I've racked up two thousand miles this weekend, and I've thoroughly enjoyed driving the truck and. If you get the opportunity to get to get one on demo, or your boss has maybe got the keys for one, have a look, see what you think, um, and give it a try. Because Iveco have um, done an done an awful lot of stuff. They already had a proven drive line with the Stralis, and they've done an awful lot of good stuff with that cab. Yeah, I think the best way to sum it up is uh, the new Iveco S way. It ain't half bad. <laughs> Perfect. Right. Well, thanks very much for your time, Bob. I hope to have you back on the podcast again soon where we can discuss more trucks and history and all that sort of stuff. We're going to wrap this up now. Hope you've enjoyed listening. This podcast comes out on Wednesday, the 4th of November. So if you happen to see Bob on the road after that, give him a wave. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Truck and Driver podcast. Please subscribe to this podcast so you never miss an episode. To keep up to date with the latest news, 100% for drivers, visit truckanddriver.co.uk where you can also subscribe to the print edition of Truck and Driver magazine, which publishes on the last Friday of every month. The Truck and Driver podcast is produced by Sound Rebel. To find out more, please visit soundrebel.co.uk.